Kicking off hour number three inside of the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios. Anything college football related? I know Tennessee. Was there anything noteworthy, Bob, in the NCAA response to Tennessee and Tennessee's attorney general? Because i got to be honest, I'm, I'm kind of over that story now. Yeah, I, I think it's it might be a little bit of hurry up and wait. I mean, they're, they're, I think it's uh, something's happening on the 13th. But the NCAA did respond with a 25-page document. And, I mean, the biggest highlight was saying there's no reason to upend this process, invite chaos on a moment's notice, and transform college sports into an environment where players and schools matched up based primarily on the dollars that can change hands. That's kind of the way it's been. Yeah, it's the way it, it is the way it's been. Again, yeah. it comes back to what we were talking about last week, that great NCAA, if you want to have that position on it, do it when at the outset, when this whole thing began, not a couple years later. And so, um, yeah, and then, you know, the, the, the Tennessee attorney general is definitely, you know, continues to double down, too. I mean, he's, he's basically saying. Um, he's got a little heat check going on. Every time he speaks, everyone's like, yeah, hell yeah. So he just keeps on and on yeah. and garnering support. He wrote, the NCAA apparently knows the meaning of Tennessee law better than Tennessee's attorney general. This argument is both wrong and irrelevant. Because the NCAA came out and said that Tennessee was not acting even under their own state's guidelines, right, and, and following state law when it came to NIL. Yeah. Correct? That was the accusation the NCAA threw out. So as the attorney general said, uh, no, incorrect. Yeah. yeah, and here's another one. It's not the plaintiff's fault that the NCAA has decided to regulate NIL and recruitment through a Byzantine set of overlapping rules of guidance. I mean, he's throwing down for sure. And, and, yeah, so now we just wait and see. I think I think some of the fervor has passed. Uh, there's been a lot of um, shout-outs on social media to the fan base that started in on this. Hey, let's tailgate at the courthouse, yeah. and let's, you know, it's like, please don't do that. <laughs> that, that was the official moment, Bob, that I quit paying attention to the story. Yeah. It's like, okay, us talking about it has worked some of these people up into a, a frenzy, and they're going to go do something stupid. Like, everyone's like, the last thing judges want are – Fans and people hijacking the the process like that's the worst thing you could do. Exactly, I I, I think that hopefully that's all passed. Uh, we just need to let the uh, uh, the professionals handle it from here and not uh, try to help in any way, shape, or form. Uh, so yeah, I agree with you. I think now it's a little bit of hurry up and wait. We'll we'll, we'll just see what happens and we'll be able to report back as uh, more facts come available. But. I was sent a, a tweet from some schmohawk that was saying that I would be there tailgating. I'm sure John Reed will be there. <laughs> uh, took that as a shot at me, Bob. Well, that I would be there. I would not. I would not go to something like that. I have not. You haven't brought a megaphone in yet, so it was a one-time thing. A bullhorn. It was a one-time thing, and it was necessary. <laughs> it was necessary, and when we did it, we didn't know what was going to happen. It wasn't like we were trying to just, uh, you know, go and get attention. But yeah, some schmohawks that I'll be at. I will not be at the courthouse. I, I won't. I won't. But yes, like you said, hurry up and wait. That's kind of where we are at now in the process. I'm over the process. I think Tennessee has nothing to worry about, and we uh, shall just wait. Agreed. ESPN got to talking college football playoffs. That was in the news this weekend because the Big Ten and SEC was kind of like, yeah, you know, we're not ready to commit to that whole 12-team playoff yet. We're not ready to do that. We're not ready to to necessarily say we're going to stick around with that forever because unless the 
the NCAA does it right, we might just take our – the implication, I guess, was that we might just take our ball and do our own thing. We got the best teams in the country. We don't need to make sure we play anybody from the Big 12. Clemson and Florida State, ah, we're good without them. And you're kind of like, yeah, you know what? It's true. They don't necessarily need those teams. But ESPN was trying to talk about the current setup for the 12-team playoff, and you said they, they mentioned all of the possible teams that can make the playoff and made their predictions. Is that correct? Yes. And, of course, I'm searching for it now and can't seem to find it. But the headline was, um, and it was, you know, Heather Denich, Chris Lowe, Harry Lyles. I mean, it was it was names that we're familiar with. And they did not have – none of them had Tennessee making the field of 12. None of them had Tennessee making the final 12. Sam, your thoughts? I'm not a huge fan of that. I think this Tennessee team is clearly a top 12 team next year, honestly, with with what you've got coming back. Uh, You know, I think on the offensive side of the ball and your offensive line and one of the best quarterbacks, young quarterbacks in the country. Yeah, it's kind of crazy because a lot of the projections I've seen are people that think Tennessee is going to be the same team as they were last year. And, like, I could not disagree more in terms of thinking the team is going to look the same as it did last year. I I am holding on to hope that we are going to look more like the 2022 team, which, by the way, loser of the weekend. Man, uh, I didn't pile on online, and some Tennessee fans didn't pile on online, but I saw a lot of college football fans and NFL fans piling on. Not a great senior bowl for Joe Milton. A lot of the things you saw – from him that drove you crazy at Tennessee were on full display in the Senior Bowl. Maybe even more. Yeah. Maybe even more. Yeah. All right, you want to hear some of these? Before we get to those, we're just we're talking about like how the projections are for Tennessee. Yes. I'm looking at, you know, returning production. Tennessee doesn't have a lot of returning production. Bill Connolly just put out his his rankings of returning production in college football, and you know, sometimes that's a recipe for success. If you have a good team that's bringing back a lot of talent, chances are they'll be good again. Tennessee ranks 94th in returning production this year. He has Tennessee listed as one of his most likely teams to regress. Most likely to regress in 2024. Of course, he's got Michigan, who is, you know, losing a lot of people. They are 115th in production. They are, you know, bringing back a, uh, you know, losing a coach. Well, actually, they're 128th in uh, returning production. Alabama is set to regress. They are bringing 100, the 115th most production back. Washington, the same way. Those three teams are all mentioned playoff teams. Florida State and Tennessee, those are the teams he mentions as regressing. What were we at? 90? 94th. In That's terms surprising of, to me. I mean, you lose your starting quarterback. You lose your running back in Jalen Wright. That's okay. Jabari Smalls. You lose both of those guys, but like outside of that, you're not losing a big time receiver. You're losing your tight ends. So like both of them, like if you're looking at production, like I will say, like your tight end's gonna be unproven. Your sure. quarterback only has one game, and they might not even count that in the ranking since it was a bowl game. I'm not sure. But like I think you got better at tight end, honestly, maybe. But maybe that's you know, I mean that's obviously you haven't seen something so far yet in, on the field. Yeah, I don't think you got worse in tight end. I don't think it at all. I think Davis is a guy that's a huge athlete and I think Stays was the number one tight end in the portal. Yeah. 
I mean, and you got a blocking tight end from Alabama who's going to be at least a, a factor in the run game that, like, should be able to do what Jacob Warren did. Like, obviously, no disrespect to Jacob, local kid, you know, great career, maxed to me, out. To me, the only production that you're losing on this team is just obviously replacing the entire secondary, but that's your worst unit. Well, I think Jalen Wright's a big loss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I guess I'm I, more I think thinking Tennessee's of— I run game is going to be fine. True. That's what I'm saying is I think maybe that, like— I don't think it's a step down necessarily from Jalen Wright when you have Samson and and Cam Selden. Correct. It's not, but if you're just looking at it from a returning production Absolutely. standpoint, you're Absolutely. losing probably, what, 90% of your rushing yards sure. between those two guys? Sure. I'm just thinking that they can come in and be seamlessly transitioning to that. Right, and that's why these numbers don't always work, because sometimes you are processing guys out of the secondary, and you're looking at, oh, look at the you know 85% of the starts here. They're gone now, but you're like, yeah, but chances are the people that are coming in next are going to be just as good, if not better. Now, Jalen Wright, I think, was really, really good. And you might not get the same type of production from one running back as you got from him. But I would be surprised if Tennessee didn't get the same amount of running production, rushing production, just in general from from Selden and Sampson, yardage-wise, that that Small and Wright did. Now, is one guy going to be as good as Jalen Wright? I don't know. We'll see. I think Sampson can be. But I think that both of those are just as good, if not better, than Small and Wright together. Because I think of the four guys we're talking about, is it unfair to say that that Small has the lowest ceiling and the lowest floor of guys getting that many carries? Tennessee was all over the place in 2023, losing to three top ten teams by an average score of 36-12, to but otherwise going 9-1 and with mostly comfortable wins. It was a bit of a reloading year after the 2022-11 win breakthrough, but it appears 2024 might require further reloading. Everyone is excited about the possibilities of blue-chip quarterback Nico Iamaliava, but that will still produce a drop in experience levels, and despite the addition of explosive two-lane receiver Chris Brazel II, the skill core, defensive line, and secondary will all start the 2024 season relatively unproven. Thanks defensive to both line? NFL departures and transfers. I really like respect Bill Connolly. I do think he is really good at what he does. The numbers, I think, are really good. His rankings are usually pretty lockstep on who the actual top teams are. But this analysis here, I think, is pretty poor. I agree. The defensive line is losing a bunch of people. That's your strongest unit, in my opinion, on this football team. Like you're saying, it's relatively unproven. Like You might have the best defensive player in the country, not named Caleb Downs. Like, I mean, when you're looking at the NFL draft, like, he's been said to be the number one guy going on defense. Of course, Downs is just a sophomore. But, like, James Pierce is just as good, if not better, than everybody in the country. You've got Big O coming back on that line. Like, Bryson Eason was kept, a contributor. You kept Lott. No more, yeah, Norman Lott. You kept Lott, everybody. Joshua Joseph. So, you're going to, like, you're going to have your young four- and five-star prospects that have kind of been sitting on the bench this year as guys that can come in and be producers next year as well think that d-line is like clearly your best unit and also like i mean the skill core sure if you're going to tell me that jabari small and and jalen Wright, but like are we, are we losing any wide receivers that i'm missing i mean brew's coming back got brew back yeah they talked about thornton maybe hitting the portal but like i mean that's not even a big loss i mean you, you upgraded with brazil yeah keep squirrel you keep squirrel at a five-star freshman i mean Bob, if we're regressing in 2024, things have gone pretty poorly. 
Yeah, I I would agree, and I'm just again as I'm reviewing all these picks, it's it's very um, it's it's very disappointing to see. Again, the we talked about, and you mentioned Bill Connolly, uh, Chris Lowe, David Hale, uh, Harry Lyles. Do not know who Andrea Adelson is, but she's in here, and then Heather Dinich. And the ones I'm going to focus on mostly are the first-round buys because you don't want to go through all of these for 12 teams. But the one that's most disappointing is Alabama is picked by five of six of these, not to be in a first-round buy, but to be in the field of 12. Okay, so Alabama's gotten picked by five of six. Five of six. The only one who didn't pick them was this uh, Adrian Adelson. Do we look Andrea. at Do we look at that as like – are we being homers for thinking that Alabama is going to take a step back and like that that spot's up for grab? Like, are we being homers by saying that? I understand Kalen DeBoer, you know, is is thought of as an elite coach. I understand that he just made the playoff of Washington, but like, I just told you, Alabama was what 128th or 115th in returning production. Exactly. Does that mean that there aren't five, four and five stars there? Sure, but there aren't as many as there used to be because a lot of them transferred out. By the way, did you see the graphic, the reports that came from uh, some Twitter account that listened to an interview with the guy's dad but said that Alabama tampered, in all caps, tampering with the Arizona quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's his name? Noah Fafita. Fafita, yeah. Mm-hmm. Said that DeBoer tried to call him and recruit him to come to Alabama. Did not see According that. to Fajita's dad. Yeah, I saw that. According to Fajita's dad in an interview, said that three schools reached out to him trying to get him to come and that he had never entered the transfer portal and that was illegal. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, that, to me, maybe get the NCAA on that after they get done with Tennessee and Nico. Maybe send them to Alabama. Yeah, I was surprised to see five out of six. I guess, uh, yeah, maybe we maybe we do overstate the fact that with Saban leaving that it's going to be that bad at Alabama. I still believe it will be that they're not a playoff qualifier, but I could be wrong. Ole Miss is a clean sweep. To make the playoffs, not a buy. That seems ridiculous, too. Six out of six picked Ole Miss. And then uh, focusing on SEC, Missouri was uh, three out of six in terms of picks to make the the playoff field. And that, again, feels like – again, that was a good team this year. Uh, Drinkwitz is kind of a goober, but he's a good coach. Um, I still think there's some recency bias there. they got to show me again next season. Ironic. What? So they got to show you. Oh, show me state, yeah. Missouri, yeah, yeah. I wasn't even playing uh, that game. I thought it was pun intended. I wish. I thought um, it was pun intended. I mean, like when you look at both of their schedules, okay. Like, yeah, Missouri and Ole Miss are both set up with their schedule. That's fine, but like Tennessee's schedule is not some murderer's row. Tennessee's schedule has the perfect balance in ter- of what, you know, maybe I'm being a little bit biased by calling it the perfect balance, but like you've got four shots. At wins that people will look at and say, okay, that was a good win. Or really only three. Maybe three. You go one and two in your three games. Was Oklahoma their fourth one, maybe? Well, Florida was my fourth one. Florida was your fourth one? Because Florida's not going to be like a okay. – it's, it's, it, Florida's more important to the fan base than it is nationally True. perception-wise. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because yeah. at the end of the day, that Florida team might win four games, five games. It matters a lot to the fan base. But, like, you got three opportunities to get a marquee win. And I think to make the 12-team playoff, you really only got to win one of them. If you beat Alabama, if you beat Oklahoma, or you beat Georgia, 
that one win is going to carry a lot of weight because Oklahoma and Georgia are on the road and Alabama apparently still a playoff team. Now that's without, you know, falling apart otherwise, but like the schedule sets up to not fall apart anywhere else. So like you just got to win one of those three games. If you go 0 and 3, you're going to be fighting uphill, but you would still probably have like a 20% chance of being a playoff team if you go oh, if you go 0 and 3 in those games, as long as you're looking good the rest of the way. Bob agree or disagree with that? I agree with that. If you go 9 and 3 and those losses are close, now, if you get blown out in all three of them, that's going to change the perception. But, like, you could maybe be the 11th or 12th ranked team if that's the case. Based on some of these teams I'm seeing, I would say yes. Now, some of them would be automatic qualifiers, sure. I guess. But I, I, I would agree with that. Yeah, you need to be ranked 11th to, to avoid the automatic qualifier of the Group 5 kind of swooping in on you. Although, maybe that's what the SEC and, and Big Ten are threatening. Like, hey, moving forward, no more auto, automatic qualifiers for the Group 5. <laughs> if so, we're going to go do our own national championship. Yeah. So the first round buys again. I'm not going to go through all of these. You can go to ESPN.com and see them. But I'm curious for like the the consensus though. The first correct. four buys. Well, are, yeah, and so obviously top of the list six for six out of the six people that picked them, Georgia's in is the first round buy. Yeah, absolutely, every single one of them picked them. Second was Ohio State. Four of the six picked Ohio State. To me, Ohio State seems more like a lock than, than I would agree. I agree with that than George. Although I will say, I guess with Oregon coming into that conference, maybe Oregon wins the conference. Because, like, the, the way too early top 25s all have, like, Oregon kind of as that top team. I forget about Oregon going Yeah, to it's, it's dumb, but they are there. <laughs> yeah. But since then, Ohio State loaded up and, you know, had a really good season in the transfer portal. So, like, maybe not calling them a lock to make the top four, but I would say Ohio State's a lock to make the playoff. I would agree. The next two that have the most – Votes. They each have uh, three of the six pundits placing them in the first round buys. Want to guess who they are? It's not Ole Miss, or is it? Are no. they up? Okay. No, Ole Miss is not in the buy. Texas. Bracket. Texas. Yeah. No, because no, I guess te- I guess uh, to be top four, you got to win the conference. So Florida, Clemson, uh, Florida Cle- State, Clemson. Okay, Clemson. Because yeah, you got to win the conference. So it won't be Texas to be a buy because they picked Georgia. So uh, then, who's the other? Who's in the Big Twelve? Yeah, I think Big Twelve. Utah? It's Utah. Uh, it's split. Utah and Kansas State. Well, Kansas State's also on that list. They were the last team. I didn't mention them, but the most likely to regress. So yeah, the numbers say that Tennessee and Kansas State's going to suck, and Alabama, but obviously not suck, but just not, not big teams. So, yeah, Utah wins that conference. Okay. I mean, if they were the best team in the Big 12, that would obviously not be a surprise. It's probably They probably should be this year, right? Yeah, and that's what they were saying in here. You know, they have Utah. For example, Heather Dinich has Utah as the number three seed and projected Big 12 champion, but only ranked the Utes in the preseason number seven nationally. But, again, it's it's those uh, conference bids, so to speak, that, that factor in here. Very interested to see how they run through that conference. And, I mean, I would imagine it's just going to be business as usual because – the Big 12 isn't that different than what the Pac-12 was doing stylistically. And Utah, you know, kind of plays a different way than the rest of the Pac-12. And I'd imagine they're still going to play a different way than most of the, the Big 12 in terms of defense and running the ball. Yeah. Yeah. And then getting out of the buys again, Notre Dame, shocker. Five out of the six people have them in the field. It just makes me angry. Um, again, we're a little biased, but. 
Um, it just feels like more of the same in some instances, and I do think Tennessee's got a really legitimate shot to be part of that 12. Notre Dame, I mean, of course, no conference tie-in. They play at Texas A&M to start the season. Is that, a, is that a scary game for them there? I mean, it's the first first game for Elko. Usually first co- first game for the coaches don't go well. There's a stat, you know, to fade the first-year coaches or first-time coaches at their school in game one that usually doesn't go well. Outside of that, the only team that looks right now ranked on their schedule, Louisville at 22 and Florida State at 16. At USC, November 30th, so we'll see what USC looks like by the time that game comes around. But I don't know who Notre Dame's quarterback is next year. Oh, yeah, that's true. Hartman's gone. Buckner's playing lacrosse. <laughs> I thought somebody transferred there, though. Oh, Riley Leonard. Oh, yeah, Riley Leonard, yes. Yeah. I was going to say, I knew yeah. they had a quarterback, okay. but I can't. Okay, that makes sense. And he was then. pretty good. He yeah. was good. Yeah. I mean, he's probably at just as good, if not better, than Hartman, right, perception-wise? I, I mean, would say he's Not just at throwing the ball, yeah. but, like, Riley has the running aspect of it, too. I think he'll probably play himself into a decent draft position at Notre Dame, yeah. Okay, so Notre Dame, I'll say with the schedule, they should go 10-2, and two, and that's good enough to get in. So I'll, yeah. I'll agree with that. And you mentioned Texas earlier, and I, I, this should happen. They're, they're six for six in terms of all these these writers picking them to be in the field, not a bye, but they, they should be. I mean, that, that, I, don't, I don't have a problem with that. So they have the ones who do rank Ole Miss and Missouri, do they rank both Ole Miss and Missouri or either or? Um, no, both. Well, so, let's see. One, both of them. Two, yeah, both of them. So they have Ole Miss, Missouri, Texas, and Georgia. All four getting in and there. Bama. And Alabama. And Bama. So five SEC teams. Yeah. Now, that doesn't seem, you know, too far-fetched. But, like, to me, I feel like you got to pick either Missouri or Ole Miss. And maybe that's why Tennessee's not getting any love. Yeah. The day Kiffin successfully navigates the season, though, and, and wins a couple big games will be the first time. Agreed. Agreed. I, I'm, there's too much, there is too much love and hype headed their way right now, it feels like to me, and he's not won enough big games to reinforce that. But maybe this is the year. I don't know. Texas looking at their schedule at Michigan September 7th. Michigan, you know, lost a lot, but that's still, a, you know, obviously a tricky game. Texas will probably be the slight favorites in that game. Oklahoma, October 12th in their, you know, Red River rivalry. Red River rivalry, Red River. I can't get that ever. <laughs> Georgia in Texas. Florida in Texas at Arkansas. Kentucky in Texas. And then at Texas A&M, so... Yeah, I guess maybe they should be able to go at least ten and two in that. Nine and three. Worst case scenario, but if you beat Georgia or Michigan, that probably carries a lot of weight. Okay. Only three of the six riders have Michigan making the field. I mean, that's that's the Harbaugh effect, right? I mean, they, they have they still have a lot of talent. Well, yeah, but I told you they were only 128th in returning production. Oh, so is that like, right? Okay. I didn't they, catch it. I mean, that. I'm sure they still have a lot of talent on their roster. Kind of like Alabama still has a lot of talent on the roster, but like it's going to be right. unproven talent. And like, do you trust that Michigan coaching staff that was kind of leftovers? And like, you know, the great assistants got brought to the NFL with them outside of more. Right. I would be surprised if Michigan made the playoff, honestly, just because 
the Big Ten the Big Ten gets a little bit tougher. Ohio State should beat them. Like surely to God, Penn State can. Yeah, eh, never mind. Penn State's not going to beat them. Is it anybody picking Penn State to make the twelve team playoff? Three of the six. <laughs> three. Oh my God. Yeah. I, I feel disrespected. Like personally, I feel disrespected because I think Tennessee should be a a coin flip proposition to make the playoff. Like I think Tennessee is going to make the playoff, but like I think everyone should view Tennessee as one of the teams that can make it, and it just comes down to maybe like one or two games. The fact that none of the six thought Tennessee could go nine and three or ten and two is kind of crazy to me. I agree. I agree. I'm not asking to be six for six. I'm not asking to be a first-round buy. But the fact that not one of six said this team can navigate this schedule and, like, we're a complete afterthought. This bothers me more than what McElroy said a couple weeks ago. You know, it's just one person. Sure. Alabama guy. Yeah, eight and four, all that stuff. That bothered me. But this bothers me much more. I mean, to have a half a dozen uh, nationally known writers. And Chris Lowe's on there? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, Chris Lowe, I'm not calling him a Tennessee homer, but, like, Chris Lowe should know the SEC and should know just how bad the quarterback position was last year. Right? Chris Lowe's got, I guess it can happen this way, he's got number six Oregon versus number 11 Michigan, so two teams from the same conference facing each other in the playoffs. Well, I would say it would be impossible almost to navigate it where it wouldn't with yeah. as many SEC and Big Ten teams that are going to be there. I True. mean, I would say that you're going to have to have a conference matchup. I want to say I remember looking at this list in 2022 and us being very low on the returning production list because it's all new guys and, like, Hendon and everything, and, of course, that season worked out well. It was one of those situations that we talked about, Sam, where, like, you lose some of those guys, but you're not really losing anything. Like, you're upgrading. Tennessee brings back 46% of their offense, which is good for 107th in the country, and 58% of their defense, which is good for 66th in the country. Just if you want to know, like, where the units rank. To me, I don't think Tennessee is getting worse at a single position group next year from this year's roster to next year. Maybe, maybe the secondary, but I think the guys that you've brought in in the portal and the younger guys that you're bringing up can't be worse. Well, I gotta say, Sam, if we are worse in the secondary next year than we were this year, exactly, then that's a, that's a, that's a problem. So, yeah. like, I I refuse to believe that. Although I will, I will admit, in my bouts of homerness, I try to be self-aware, Bob. I did say the same exact thing last year about the Titans' offensive line okay. that there was no way it could be worse, and then it ended up being worse. So maybe the secondary can be worse. You know what's interesting, too, is I told you Clemson got three votes to be in the first round buys. Uh-huh. They have no votes from any of the others to make the field. So either win the ACC or don't get in? Yeah, which is interesting because Florida State is like five of six. Five of the six riders have them in some sort of field. They have two. There's two that have them in the first round buys and then three that have them in the, in the big dance. Um, I just find that interesting. Um, and I'm still – and I don't know what to expect with Florida State. I mean, they have consistency with Norvell still back, but um, – A lot of question marks. Definitely. Let's play some commercials. Let me get a drink of my water. We'll come back. It's the morning show here on Fan Run Radio. Ever- Apparently, he's, he's, he's going on kind of a, on a little bit of a rampage last night. I missed that. Oh, 
where he was like posting text messages to writers and calling them clowns. And then they're like, actually, we never said that. He's like, oh, my bad, man. He brought out receipts. He brought out receipts. <laughs> he said, my, he said, mine and DeBoer's livelihoods on the lines. What he said. Still what, sticking up for his former coach. I wanted to. No, it's not even his coach. No. DeBoer was at Washington. Oh, yeah. I guess, yeah, I guess he never even. Yeah, yeah I thought that too. He I, was trying, yeah. I was like, he's going to bring him with him. I was like, wait, no, he's at Washington. Uh, also, one bit of housekeeping. So I was, I said 2022, which obviously wouldn't have been the case because Hidden Hooker was coming back to school. So that, that production would have been there, the only 11 win season. But I was remembering it correctly. Whenever, you know, it was thought to be. Lucky if Tennessee won five games in 2021, right? Like that was kind of the talk about you know Tennessee's returning production and starting over and blah blah blah. Tennessee did rank 117th in the country that year, 103rd on offense, 103rd, 107th on defense, and of course both those units outperformed that as you went seven and five and and showed some signs of life. So I don't always take the returning production thing to necessarily matter. Anyways, any other thoughts on college football on that on those rankings? Shame on ESPN and those yeah, six I'm, people. I'm, I'm, I'm mad. We went to break and we were all like, "Man, we're pissed off." That, that that was not. The more I looked at that, the more I broke it out. It just doesn't feel right. That's all. Feels lazy. ESPN's lazy. Feels well, lazy. I, I just Missouri and Ole Miss are going to be the darlings. That's fine. I get that. Their schedules are easier, but at the same time. For them to be beloved that much more, or to be that much more beloved and to get that much more credit than Tennessee, who I think is going to look a lot more like 2022 Tennessee than 2020. Did they not watch Joe Milton play? <laughs> you don't want to get like some offseason clicks, too? If you throw Tennessee into the 12-team playoff, we're going to eat right. that up. Maybe you leave them out and you make them even more angry, True. I guess. But like, <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, like, did, did they not watch the season? Did they not watch Tennessee's offense? When you look at, Ole Miss, when you look at Missouri's schedule, Murray State, Buffalo, Boston College, it's Vandy. It's nobody. At A&M, UMass, Auburn, at Alabama, Oklahoma, at South Carolina, at Mississippi State. Would they get in the playoff at 10-2? and two? Missouri? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, if their best win was at Texas A&M, is that enough to get them in? Like, I mean, a like question. a 9-3 and three Tennessee or a 10-2 and two Missouri, like, should be a question. If you look at that schedule, like. Oh, if it's between, yeah, I would agree. That's. That I'm just becomes... saying between any, like, I'm just saying Missouri at 10-2 and two is not going to have the resume to, like, look at and say, hey, we're getting in necessarily because, again, they could beat everybody except Alabama and Oklahoma, and their best win would be at Texas A&M. And their second best win would be a home game against Auburn or a road game at South Carolina. Like, that, that's ridiculous. Take Tennessee out of it. If it's a 10-2 and Missouri against a 9-3 and Alabama and they don't beat Alabama, who gets in? Right. I mean, it should be Alabama, right? right. That's what I'm saying. It's like Missouri, yeah. I'm not necessarily buying because sometimes that easy schedule, like, can hurt you. I said Tennessee had three chances for a resume win. They got – Two, and that's even if you consider Oklahoma resume win at that point. <laughs> Which, granted, like I mean, if they if Oklahoma's not good and they beat them, then if they go eleven and one, of course they'll get in. But yeah, that's uh, it's a very easy schedule, but at the same time, not a lot of chances for success to knock off anybody big. Ole Miss, oh, man, there's just they, looking at their schedule. Furman, MTSU, at Wake, Georgia Southern, Kentucky, 
Man, bad week for Kentucky, by the way. Lost their offensive coordinator and then then get embarrassed by Tennessee. At South Carolina, at LSU, Oklahoma, at Arkansas, Georgia, at Florida. Yeah, Ole Miss ain't making the playoffs. That schedule's not as easy as it, like, some of it seems easy. But, like, they're going to trip up at LSU, Oklahoma, Georgia, at Florida. Like, I, I don't, I'm not buying the, the Ole Miss stuff. I'm not buying it. Tennessee's going to get in the playoff over either Ole Miss or Missouri or both. You heard it here. I'm off my soapbox now when it comes to random February predictions from six ESPN people. Can we stay on college football for a minute so we can put a bow on it and talk about that senior bowl performance? Uh, I'm not the person that needs to talk about it because everyone's going to say I hate Joe Milton and I was too tough on him. So, Bob, the floor is yours. You, <laughs> you go ahead. Nine of 13 for 80 yards, two interceptions. It only further confirmed that Joe Milton is who we thought he was. I, As a matter of fact, there was one pass that you can find on social media where he actually does a spin off of pressure, and he's going to do like a dump-down screen. Did you see that, Sam? He like threw it into the ground. And on I mean, third and inches when he had about 10 yards to run for the first yeah. down. Now, you know, he did the same thing on his interception where he maybe could have picked up the first down and it was third and five, and there was a defender chasing him, so maybe he gets caught. But, like... Correct me if I'm wrong, because I'll be honest. I don't really watch the Senior Bowl. But you're supposed to treat it like a game, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But, I mean, like, you're supposed to run. Like, if you're a quarterback, like, you're supposed to show, like, hey, you can go out and run and, like, pick up first downs. Because, like, I mean, orange and white games, scrimmages, like, hey, quarterback, throw the ball, don't run, don't get hit, yeah. things like that. Don't hit the quarterback. But, like, it's a legit game where you're, like, the quarterback's live, right? It's to show, like, oh, hey, situational football, I have nothing here. Let me go and pick up four yards and run and get to the next play. Okay, because like, he had those two yes. those two chances to pick up first downs and keep the drives Absolutely. going, and instead Absolutely. threw two of the worst passes you'll ever see. Like the interception back across his body late that was intercepted was awful. And then the one Bob mentioned where he evades the pressure. Okay, good. And then he points to the running back and then immediately throws it five <laughs> he yards to, no to the look left. Pass him. He tried to no-look pass him. It, yeah. it was absolutely miserable. It was a dreadful. But I just wanted to make sure that it's actually supposed to be treated like a live yes. game. Like yeah. you're supposed to be oh, yeah. playing quarterback like you would if your life was on the line because you're trying to earn draft stock. Those scouts would rather see Joe Milton run it for two yards on third and ten and, you know, turn the ball over and take a fourth and eight than see him throw those two interceptions or throw the interception in that incompletion. Okay. Yeah. Like you can run and slide. Absolutely. And pick up the first down. And it started to just again, we talked a little about this already, but there were writers who even started saying the whole, it's what we've been doing. It's this apologist approach of, hey, but he looks attentive on the sidelines and he's tuned in with his coach. And it's like, that's great, man. That's that, How's he do on the field? That's really what we need to see. And we saw it, unfortunately. I, I saw that update that was pointing out how good of a teammate he is and yeah. how the people in the locker room have liked him being on his team and all that. Like. I still think he gets a job. I agree. I still think he gets a job. I, I think he will add a number to the ticker of all-time draft picks for Tennessee. Like I, I do think there just aren't enough quarterbacks that are as big and strong as him. And, you know, that's going to tantalize someone where in the sixth or seventh round where picks don't really matter. But is he still in the league, like, two to three seasons after that. Oh, well, I would I would say no. Yeah. I mean, but, like. I, I agree with you. I think, again, somebody's going to get sucked into all that 
um, potential at, at the combine and all of that. I I will say that like I'm rooting for him to get drafted. Like I, same, I, it does look good for Tennessee if he gets drafted. I do hope that he is able to earn some NFL money. Like I'm no yeah. ill will, no rooting for his failures, but like. The senior bowl highlights did give me a little PTSD. I would be lying if I said they didn't. But that just takes me back to what we just talked about. How are these professional <laughs> writers, especially someone like Chris Lowe, who I have a lot of respect for, how how are they looking and saying, ah, man, this team's going to be about the same as they were last year? Because if Tennessee is one game better than they were last year, they'll be in the playoff mix. Like, if, if I just tell you that Tennessee goes 9-3 and three next year, at least one out of six simulations of the season has Tennessee making the playoff. Right. Right? Like, it, yeah. you'll, you'll have a 17% chance of making the playoff at 9-3 and three at least. So to get shut out just seems kind of crazy. And, like, I expect Tennessee like to, to have Bill Connolly say we're going to regress. I'm just like, oh, really? Okay. I guess. If you say so. I'll be honest with you, Bob. I haven't really considered this possibility. I've been full steam ahead for the season. I haven't considered the possibility that we won't be good next year. Yeah, I I feel the same. I, all the uh, as you called them the vibes after the Citrus Bowl and everything. You know, it's it, I think most people feel like next season's going to be special. I still believe that, but apparently ESPN doesn't agree. They don't concur. Well, that's okay. I mean, it, we'll it's fine. It it's fine. You know, you don't need to be to be the it team. You don't need to be the one that everyone looks at and says. But I'm just surprised that I'm most surprised by I think Connolly lumping Tennessee. I mean, because like if you tell me like, hey, the the three playoff teams are going to regress. Okay, yeah, like two of them lost their coach. No, three of them lost their coach. One of the coaches ended up in Alabama, so I mean, like at least like there shouldn't be a huge drop off in terms of perception. Even though I disagree, I think you know Nick Saban is clearly head and shoulders above DeBoer. But then, like you get to Kansas State and Tennessee, those are your other teams. I just think there's going to be so much more talent on this upcoming team. I'll tell you what would have triggered me, but they weren't on the list anywhere. Was if Oklahoma was in there? <laughs> yeah, um, but they weren't. They okay. Weren't. Not a single vote for Oklahoma. Okay. So we're in the same category as them, but still okay. still not happy with it. Quarterback's got the fifth best Heisman odds. Well, yeah, like, so the gambling markets disagree. The gambling markets have Tennessee, they, they favor them much more, right? Yeah. Like, where does Tennessee rank in terms of just odds to win the national championship? I'll pull it up. Like, I'll pull it up. I know the Heisman, like Nico gets love there, and like Nico, you said had the fifth best Heisman odds. What about like just to win the national championship? Like Tennessee, they're not. They're down with Clemson, and like they're on par with Missouri. So what? One, two, three, four, five. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. This segment is called John Counting. Eleven, twelve. They have the 12th best odds to win the title. Tied with Texas A&M, Missouri, Clemson, and Tennessee. Okay. All right. So, I mean, 12th best, you know, at least deserves to at least somebody buy your, buy your odds or whatever. But anyways, enough of that. 
Enough of that. Thanks for making me. I didn't think you'd be able to make me mad about Tennessee football today, Bob, when I came in this morning. When I woke up this morning, I was like, okay, it's going to be a good show, a lot of Tennessee basketball, and here you've made me mad for the last (laughs) 35 minutes about Tennessee football. Well, I thought it was an interesting article, but the biggest headline I saw was Tennessee's not in there, but then we started dissecting it, and I have to say it, it did. It got me a little more worked up than I was expecting as well. Uh, They got me rolled up. No doubt. No doubt. Send us a break, Sam. It's the morning show on (laughs) Fan Run Radio. White Claw. You know, I did not anticipate talking Tennessee football for 30 minutes today, especially on the first day of Super Bowl week. So thank you for that. (laughs) USC was on that damn list too, Bob? Yes, David Hale had USC making the playoffs. Now I'm I'm white hot angry. I just caught that. It was like, God, man. Uh, Yeah. You got returning production for USC pulled up, John? Uh, Because I don't know any of them. No. I don't know I can anyone. Find it. Hold on, I'll find it. Maybe I will. Maybe Not I to won't. put you on the spot. Although, but yeah, what I... was that quarterback's name? Mason something. Maybe yeah, he uh, he had a great bowl game. He did. The number one team is Virginia Tech. They got eighty six percent of their of their roster coming back. Uh, USC. Let's Miller see. Moss. Miller Moss. That six was touchdowns. It. Yeah. Six touchdowns, huh? USC is 99th. Okay. They bring back 50% of their production. Anyways, Super Bowl week, we'll preview that, you know, moving forward next next show and as we go on. What are your early thoughts, Bob, between CBS versus Nickelodeon? Uh, which which broadcast are you going to watch? <laughs> CBS. When they yeah. actually laid it out, when it was Romo and Nance versus Nate Burlinson and Eagle and, and Patrick and SpongeBob, oh. I was kind of like, you know what? That, that might be a better duo, actually. And then I get... Patrick and SpongeBob too. I'm a big Nate Burleson fan, actually. I yeah, think, I think he's good. Um, now, now that you put it in that frame, that's that's different. But um, yeah, CBS, they're gonna like as they do every year. They just continue to one up themselves. 165 total cameras to be used on the Super Bowl at Allegiant Stadium. So only um, 17 of those will go to Taylor Swift's suite. Yes, ain't that the truth? Um, so by the numbers, they'll have six doink cameras that are uh, cameras embedded into the goalposts. Oh, I love that. Yeah, six, six. Do we uh, need that many in the goalposts? That's uh, I'm guessing three on each one, and yeah, I, I think I think it's a lot. I would say so. Maybe, one on each like cross, uh, one on each post, and one on the crossbar. That's what I'm guessing. And then uh, yeah, on the other side, do the same thing. Twenty three augmented reality cameras, so you're going to see a ton of like graphic overlays, like they always do, you know, over beautiful shots and everything else. Um, six sets. 600 record and playback channels. I mean, this is like they're using a big uh, crane camera that only gets used like on feature films, like motion pictures, but you know, like some of the big like Mission Impossible and stuff like that. So 
it, they definitely uh, they go nuts. Their program schedule, for what it's worth, too. They're starting their programming schedule on CBS Sports Network at 6 a.m. on Super Bowl Sunday with a bunch of stuff. But, I mean, they're, they're definitely going nuts. And, yes, there will be lots of Taylor Swift. I, again, I think we talked about this. I feel bad for Usher. Who's doing the halftime? Do you show. think a Super Bowl could ever get to the point of like the how the national championship does it, where they have like the SkyCam broadcast, where it's a totally different broadcast of different angles and stuff? Um, I think they're working towards that already. It's just you know what the problem is. ESPN has so many channels that they right. can go to. Uh, the Viacom, they would have to start doing like MTV and yeah. other ones that don't fit. They have CBS Sports Network. They have Paramount and Nickelodeon and. That's it. CBS, of course. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, when ABC gets the Super Bowl, yeah, you'll probably see that happen then. Definitely. I Although you would think, you know, CBS would be like, hey, Paramount Plus subscribers, you can get a alternate broadcast, which right. they're kind of doing with Nickelodeon. They are doing that, but just for the kids. This might be a really, really dumb question, Bob. So if it is, just acknowledge that I know it might be. Do these channels actually cut a profit do they turn a profit on the Super Bowl, or are they losing money on the Super Bowl? Because when you tell me all those cameras, and you tell me the expenses, I know the advertising costs are through the roof, right? Like 3 or $4 million per commercial, but like, are they actually turning a profit on the broadcast, or is it all just about promoting the rest of their, the rest of their lineup and the things they offer as a company? I believe it's a little bit of both. They don't make, a, they don't make a, I, from what I could imagine, they don't make a significant profit for the reasons you just said, the rights to the game itself, the... Um, the overlay of how much they're spending on the games. Um, but it's what you said. They're, they're also using it as a promotional vehicle for, you know, now it'll be – they've already started this in the last year or two. It'll be more than ever. Mark my words, you'll see a fair amount of promotion for Paramount Plus, Yeah. okay, for their streaming app. That's what they'll be working hard to, uh, to pimp out is, you know, because everybody's trying to race – to some sort of what what people think is a finish line for streaming, it's a long ways off. But well, that that's why I am surprised that they aren't doing anything on Paramount Plus around the game that I've seen. Yeah, um, I'll have to dig in on that. I bet you they're doing something. Surely, um, surely. But yeah, we'll have to see. But well, I mean, I think I wonder if the game is available on Paramount Plus. It may be. I'm sure it is. Yeah, but I mean, like. I mean, I guess there probably are plenty of people that still don't realize that you can get an antenna for free and yeah, and, and watch you know the CBS channel for free. Yes, that's true. But but yeah, we'll talk. There's a lot. There's a lot of Super Bowl trivia over the course of the week. We can talk about. We're working to get a few uh, interesting guests on that might have Super Bowl ties and Tennessee ties. We're working on all that. So uh, be a big week. Good deal. Anything you thought we missed today, Sam? That we need to hit. Joel Embiid. Knee surgery going to be out for a while if you're interested in that MVP race and you're interested in the Sixers at all. That was a big NBA story. That is a big one. I wonder if that whole ah. missing games kind of amendment thing gets revisited or type of I, thing. I would say that there's going to be enough crying from mostly from the Pacers and Halliburton. He's been the big baby crying about it. Oh, you're going to cost me all NBA. I couldn't stay healthy the year before and couldn't stay healthy this year either. But... <laughs> But I'm going to cry about it. Uh, something we did miss, uh, big loser of the weekend, Patrick Mahomes Sr. That was my Hello. loser of the weekend, yes. Patrick Mahomes Sr., big loser of the weekend as he got in trouble again. 
with the drinking and driving. This is mm-hmm. his third run-in. They're saying he's facing a minimum of two years in uh, prison for that. Or maybe jail. I don't know which one they said. But two years. Two to 20 years is, like, what he's looking at. Patrick deals with a lot. <laughs> you know, he really does. He really does. It's kind of amazing that Patrick has been as successful as he has been this last year, this year, and just in his life because, you know, his, his wife and brother, they always are on the news about something, especially his brother. Although I haven't seen much from him this year. I think I think finally him getting canceled he and the, the, record straight on him. the whole, like, forcing himself on that bar manager was kind of the, the come-to-Jesus meeting. <laughs> Brittany didn't really do anything either this year. But his dad, Super Bowl week, now in the news. Which I'm sure Andy and Patrick can have a talk about. You know, Andy had to deal with that with his son, right? In terms of the distraction there. Oh, yeah. In terms of, of that. So, like, the Chiefs have had some adversity come their way. Winner of the weekend, I thought uh, it was cool to see Shane Gillis, who had gotten fired yeah. by Saturday Night Live. They are now oh, announcing yeah. that he is hosting Saturday Night Live this upcoming week. So, I imagine... That has to be a pretty cool feeling for him to go from getting fired. Can't wait for that monologue. <laughs> he had gotten fired because of like some jokes that ended up being like deemed racial and people kind of canceled him, right, and boycotted him. Is that kind of the story there, Sam? Yeah, yeah. And like apparently SNL tried to like keep him on is what they're saying now at least. It's like they, they wanted to not fire him. They wanted to keep him, but the backlash was too much. That's not what I've heard, but yeah. Yeah, so that's be a good feeling. Definitely SNL. (laughs) So that's be a good feeling for him to you know now be coming back as a host, not on the same level, of course, but Sandler. You know, he talked about that whenever he came and hosted, and you know how they had fired him and told him he wasn't good enough, and he went on and made you know hundreds of millions of dollars at the box office. And Bud Light came out and sponsored him this week too. Oh, really? Really? Yeah. So he's got a bunch of stuff coming his way. Hey, hey, last thing I got. um, We've talked about the NCAA with Tennessee, et cetera. Rick Patino speaks out and says the NCAA is broken. It's like oh. when it comes from him, oh. it's like, really? Okay, you, <laughs> man, just stop. Just. Yeah, especially when he's complaining about the transfer portal with his team that's made up entirely of transfer <laughs> portal guys. All right, Rick Patino. Yeah. I never want to hear another word from him again after what he did to me Saturday. That'll do it for us. The Brett Hollander victory tour starts next on the G.I. Jake Show. Stay locked in on Fan Run Radio.